0: Welcome to the practical growth podcast. I'm your host, E.B. Johnson, top writer on medium.com, published author and master practitioner of neuro linguistic programming. You've landed on the podcast that takes you on a journey into the heart of relationships and self discovery. This is a must listen for those who are ready to overcome their toxic relationships and their toxic patterns. You can expect real talk, practical guidance, and raw and relatable guests that you'll be talking about for weeks. Let's get into it. Hello, hello, hello again, my lovelies. It is me, EB, your favorite podcast host, your favorite medium.com writer, and your favorite TikTok coach and educator. And I'm back, back, back. Bet you thought you weren't going to see me three weeks in a row. Um, But I am here, I am here and we are on a roll and we are going to be diving into a really great topic today. And I'll tell you what, um, it is one that has lit up my TikTok um, and it's been pretty popular medium as well. Uh, What we're going to be talking about today is um, my mother, but also your mother, more specifically um, parents in general. And the fact that, you know, even if they didn't have the language, the science, the research for it. They knew they were traumatizing us. They knew they were traumatizing us. And I'm going to prove it to you here in this episode um, so that you can accept it, so that you can look that pain in the face and heal and move on. Just before we jump in, really good news. Good, 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 good news for anyone who is interested in getting coached by me. Applications are officially open. For March and April. That is right. So if you want to get coached by me, if you want to work with me one-on-one and learn how to regulate your nervous system, rewire and reprogram your brain, um, and to regulate your emotions on your own terms, then... This is the program for you. Uh, You will work with me an hour each week over Zoom. You also get access to group coaching and a lot of other really great things. So if you're interested in working one-on-one with me, if you're actually serious about improving your life, improving your mental health, and learning how to take personal accountability and transform that into self-fulfillment and self-actualization, then you need to apply now. You need to apply now. I already have a few spots gone, so there's only a few spots left So you need to head over to therealebjohnson.com and click on working with me. You'll find a little application there, fill it out, send it through. And if you are lucky, then you will start getting coached by me in March of this year. Uh, For everyone else, group coaching is also open. So head over to therealebjohnson.com and click on working with me for one-on-one private coaching. All right, let's get into it. Probably one of the most controversial episodes I'm going to post this year. Certainly one of the most controversial videos I've made on TikTok in the past year, uh, and something that, you know, has stirred a little fuss on medium, Uh, accountability, awareness, consciousness, where did our parents sit on that scale? You know, we have a tendency as a society to really give a free pass to parents, we, you know, too easily say, oh, they did their best, they tried their hardest, they didn't know what they were doing. There's a lot of excuses that just get handed to parents, even when there is no excuse To be had, and you know, we as the children of those parents, we just have to kind of choke it down, right? But you know, sometimes there's just no acceptable reason that parents do what they do. Worse, more often than not, they are aware of the negative effect that they are having on their children. Okay, it's only on the rarest of occasions that a parent is actually physically, mentally, and emotionally unable to see harm that they're inflicting. In the majority of cases, like our parents knew, they knew what they were doing was wrong. They felt it. They, they felt that it was wrong. They saw the negative reactions. They saw the bad behaviors, mental and emotional hangups that were created from the way they treated you. And they did it anyway. And then they refused to take accountability for it. So it doesn't matter if they had the terminology. It doesn't matter that they you know, weren't a parent here in 2023 with all these studies and all this research. Bad was still bad you still saw when a child was crying or becoming sick or developing really bad behaviors and for a long time we've known that you know bad behaviors in a child is linked to behaviors at home i always use my mother as the as like the 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 example right that's why this episode is titled for her is you know my mother knew she was traumatizing me that is something that i had to accept to really actually truly open the door and walk through to healing everything i did before like accepting the fact that she knew what she was doing she knew she did wrong and she did it anyway all the healing i did before that was so superficial and i kept hitting blocks and i kept hitting blocks because i kept making excuses i kept making excuses for what happened and that kept drawing me back going oh well they you know they couldn't help it they didn't know what was going on and i would let myself fall back into patterns with those same people or people just like them and i couldn't get better I couldn't get better because I hadn't accepted the reality. And because I hadn't accepted the reality, I didn't really know where I was. And because I didn't know where I was, I couldn't pick the right path forward. That's how this all works. That's how healing and self-recovery from a childhood that's totally traumatic and dysfunctional works. You have to stand in radical acceptance of what actually happened and where it's actually put you before you can draw out a map for where you want to be. Now, we're going to look at six specific examples um, that can confirm whether or not your parent knew what they were doing. But before we get into those six examples, I just want to give you a memory that came back to me a long time ago when I was dealing with this subject the first time for the first time. Um, I was really struggling with my mom's death and how I felt about it. Like I was really devastated initially, but as the days and weeks passed, I started to get really angry and also kind of like sick and confused. And I didn't understand that, right? Like grief, I understood, but I didn't understand why I was so angry at her. And so I had to start going back and like looking at my childhood. And I, I was first trying to look for good memories, like looking for positive things, smiles, laugh, laughs, trips, um, really powerful, connective moments, with her to try to help kind of stem the tide of my grief. But um, when I was looking for that, all I could find were negative memories. All I could find were negative memories. And as I was seeing this negative pattern, I was instantly fighting myself. I was almost, I was basically becoming my mother's voice with, oh, but your mother, she had it so hard. She just had so much trauma. She was such a victim. You can't blame her. She just couldn't help it. That's how she was raised. And she just couldn't help it. Because that's what I'd always been told anytime I had raised any kind of questions, comments, or concerns in childhood, right? That was that voice that had been programmed into me. Then I really started thinking about it. And there's this one specific memory. For those of you who follow me on Medium, you may have have read about this memory. Um, If not, I do have it linked in the description for this episode. So go and check that out. Um, But there's this one specific memory that triggered the realization that my mother knew what she was doing. And it happened, it happened like this. Um, around 16 or so, I think I was 16, maybe 17, my mother and I got into a huge fight. We got into a huge, 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 huge fight. I don't remember what it was about, but I know that it was petty. And I know that like, after picking, 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 nagging, 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 I basically snapped at her and, and become a snarky little teenager, right? <clears throat> Just like teen girls do with their mom. So my mom decided to get really creative and I still remember her standing there and I remember the look on her face was so weird it was such a weird look it was weirder than any look I had seen from her before and she looked at me and she said give me your makeup and you give me your hair supplies and then she took some clothes as well and I was like what what are you talking about it was the most creative punishment she had ever come up with uh one month no makeup, and I wasn't able to do anything with my hair. I was given a hairbrush, and that's it. So no curling iron, no straightener, no, you know, like barrettes or anything like that. <clears throat> it was the early two thousands, no hairspray, no gel, and I wasn't going to be allowed to wear any makeup either. And then she took like the nice clothes that I kind of like had set to the side and in a bag so that they didn't smell to, to wear to school. I remember thinking, as that kid. That I wish she had hit me with a belt. I wish that she had hit me with a belt again until I'd vomited on myself because I spun into an absolute panic. Now, that may not seem to make sense to you guys. Like, no hair, and no makeup for a month. What's the big deal about that? Uh, my life at school was hell, and I definitely gave hell to a lot of people too, right? Because I was being bullied at home, so I would go to school and bully people, but I was also getting bullied all the time. Got made fun of for my looks got called like racist stuff all the time, even though I was white being raised in a white family. Um, I got called fat all the time. I got made fun of for being poor. I got fun of for my clothes. Even my brother would like make fun of my shoes and things and call them Bobos. It was really, really rough. And then I was also considered weird. Like everyone called me weird. I was a smart girl. I was a teacher's pet. I was nerdy. I was really into academics. I was like genuinely into academics. I was interested in everything. Very curious, Loved to learn really well-spoken did debate. All of these things on top of being a jock, but I was still a nerd. And the only way I had been able to kind of edge out some of that bullying, make some of it stop was by masking myself, was making myself look like the other kids around me. So I had started dressing like them. I started doing my hair like them. I started wearing makeup like the girls around me and it minimized a lot of that bullying. Now, I had not told my mother about any of this bullying. All she saw was this person who was like fanatical about making sure hair and makeup And clothing was just right before she went out the door. So my mother, you know, obviously, I I didn't tell her because she wasn't safe. She was not a woman of empathy or compassion where her children were concerned. So there would have been, you know, she wouldn't have understood. And she wouldn't really have cared. It would have turned into her talking about herself. Anyway, so my mother says no hair, no makeup for a month. And I lose it. I start having a meltdown. And still to this day, I can remember how gleeful her face looked. When I started panicking, I mean, I had a panic attack, which is not something a, a healthy child in a normal environment would have done, right? That would, it's, a, it's not a normal reaction to just being told, like, you can't wear makeup. But I was just sick. I, I ended up throwing up, cried for hours and hours and hours, and my mother was gleeful. You could just tell in her face that she was like, yeah, that's it. Got her, you little, you know, witch. I got you. That's it. So she ended up once she got sick of me not being able to calm down, she told me to just go to my room and I stayed there for the rest of the night in the morning. I didn't get up like usual to get ready for school. Cause I had, what was I going to do? I, I didn't want to go and get showered in the swamp bathroom. So, um i just didn't get out of bed i hadn't slept all night i was sick like it was awful um she came in and i must have looked like a victorian ghost child or something because she came in and she was very smug at first and then she saw me in the bed like she kind of creeped closer to the edge of the bed and she saw me in the bed and she blanched she blanched like i was a dead body she got this really weird look on her face and then she asked me a couple of questions like had i been up all night what was going on get up get dressed and I was just I didn't care anymore like I, I remember thinking like it would be better to just die than to have to go to school and deal with everybody's gonna make fun of my hair is gonna be all poofy and my face is all broken out and I'm gonna obviously be looking crazy from crying all night and I'm gonna have to wear those old clothes that stink like it's just, I'd rather just die and, and even if I go home I go to school and do all that then I have to come home to her I just don't want to be alive and I was just like kind of catatonic in the bed And she just looked panicked. She looked like, oh my God, I fucked up. That's what she sounded like. That's what she looked like. Um, And she kind of backed out of the room. She went and got my makeup, my hair stuff, my clothes, handed them to me, left the room and never spoke about it again. Never spoke about it again. Now, of course, things escalated and we had gotten to worse fights. I ended up like not living with her at some point my senior year, which I really struggle to remember. But basically... All of that memory was to, you know, help you understand my moment of realization. Because sitting, going through that memory, remembering her face, the gleeful look on her face when she was doing it, and then the panicked look on her face when she realized that I, you know, had been pushed past some kind of invisible point. My mother knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing. And from that moment on, I would watch her. I would watch her and notice how much pleasure she would get from things like getting other people in trouble, complaining about a waitress to a manager, um, <clears throat> complaining about people at work, looking down on their bodies or their sex lives. Um, getting She would smile. She would get these little smirks when she was punishing you. You tell she enjoyed it, right? There was parts of her that really enjoyed the power of punishing someone, even if it was a child. And so I had to accept that. And in that space, I had to accept that my mother knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing and she chose to do it anyway. A lot of you might see your parents somewhere in that story. You might resonate with that. You might be like, yeah, I know exactly what that was like. That was exactly how my mom was. That's exactly how my dad was. But there are, are some more specific examples that you can look out for if you really are ready to rip off that Band-Aid and understand, like, did they know they were traumatizing me? Were they aware? In most cases, the answer is yes. But here are six specific examples that you can use to kind of confirm it to yourself. Number one, uh, they saw the negative reactions. Your your parents saw the negative reactions, the extreme reactions that you had to the trauma, to those moments which ended up inflicting brain damage on you. Okay? Okay. Unless your parents had substantial, and I mean substantial, physical and or mental disabilities, they could see and gauge your emotional states. They they would go to work and do it every day, didn't they? They did it with their bosses. They did it with their coworkers. They did it with the lady at church, with the next door neighbor. They could gauge emotional reactions and emotional states all the time. They could tell you were in pain. They knew when you were scared. They knew that you had questions, that you were confused. They knew your feelings were hurt, and they knew when something wasn't right. It doesn't matter if they had a precise language for that. Okay? That's just on a human level. You can pick that up. Like my mother, your parents saw your negative reactions. They saw more than you did because they were adults with a wider expanse of experience and knowledge. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey, friends, welcome to Tea with TJ, where every sip brings you closer to insightful conversations and delightful discoveries. Join me every Wednesday as I navigate through topics ranging from culture, creativity, personal growth, all over a soothing cup of tea. Relax, unwind, and expand your mind with Tea with TJ. Subscribe now on all your favorite podcast platforms and brew up some wisdom with me. And remember, be kind, keep sipping, and I'll see you next week. So even if they did not have language and research and parenting books and parenting classes, which uh, they did have books and they did have classes. They knew they were part of the mess because they saw the mess being made. Uh, Number two, your parents saw the hangups that their behaviors created in you. Whether that trauma was direct or indirect, they saw how you were negatively affected. And I'm not just talking about that initial negative emotional reaction like we just, just discussed. I'm talking about those hangups that you develop. Maybe you shut down when you're confronted with stress. Maybe you were becoming a people pleaser. You had a panic disorder or an anxiety that developed somewhere along the lines because of the behaviors. They saw that. They saw that. And here's the proof, right? Here's the proof about that one. Most of you who are listening to this had parents who called you out for those negative behaviors or traits, and they probably punished you for them. Like, my mom started noticing that I had, like, really anxious neurotic responses when I was in these emotionally stressed environments. Like, for instance, I would start picking at my head, picking at my hair and things like that. And she would scream at me. She would scream at me for it. Stop it right now. But she also knew and commented on the fact that it increased when she was creating stress or when she was nagging or she was bullying or cornering me. So they see those negative patterns that are already developing in you as a kid they see them they see them and they know that they're a part of it number three your parents remember their childhoods okay your parents remember in some element what it was like to be a kid period that's just period again unless your parent had some significant significant head trauma They remember elements of their childhood. They may not remember every element of trauma that happened to them, but they remember feeling powerless. They remember what it was like to be screamed at, to feel scared, to feel alone. They remember those feelings and they remember things like being a kid and thinking, I wish someone would help me or I don't want to do this or I wish I wasn't here. I wish I was safe. Why is this happening to me? They remember things like that. So if they can remember the pain in their childhood, then they can certainly see those same reactions in you. Number four, and this is really, this is, um, I stress this on TikTok. This is one of the biggest things that you need to look out for if you want to know whether or not your parents knew what they were doing. Uh, Number four, they hid their behaviors. They hid their behaviors. Your parents went out into the world and they smiled and they told everyone how good you were and how proud they were of you. And they bragged about how close you were and how great the family was. And then when they got you home, they acted like a different person. They screamed, they yelled, they were emotionally distant. They were emotionally unsafe. They terrorized you. They made you feel small. They made you feel like you could not come to them, that you couldn't share with them, that they weren't proud of you, that they didn't love you, that they didn't have space or time for you. Okay. But when that front door opened and they were back outside, they were back on a stage. That sharp change in behavior, that modification in behavior, it proves that they knew what they were doing. The fact that they didn't want to treat you in public the way they were treating you at home proves that they knew the way they were treating you at home was not right. It was not right. As a parent, if you're going to do something to your child that you're not willing to do in a room full of strangers, probably shouldn't do it. Probably shouldn't do it. Number five, they shamed you into silence. They shamed you into silence. What happens or happened when you try to confront your parents about the way you felt? Were they? Did they listen? Did they hold space for you? Did they ever say, like, I'm sorry, or I'm going to work on that, or maybe you're right? Or... Did they gaslight you? Did they turn everything around? Did they make you accountable? Did they shame you for speaking up, for holding the line of your truth, and for trying to hold them accountable for what they got wrong? That's a tactic used by toxic parents to avoid accountability. And you only have to avoid accountability if you know you've done something wrong and you're unwilling to take it on, to be responsible, to step up, to change it. So the only people who can't be accountable is people that know they're fully in the wrong. Last but not least, they kept you out of the way. They kept you out of the way. This is for the absentee, the aloof parent, the, the parent who always wants an excuse to send you to your room and to keep you there out of sight, out of mind. Um, that kind of parenting often can indicate a certain amount of guilt, a certain amount of guilt or insecurity. They don't want to look you in the eye and face what they've done. They don't care if they're close to you because they don't really care about you, about your life, about how they've raised you. They want you to look good for them, but they don't really care. Again, if a parent has to keep you at arm's length and they work really hard to do that, there's a pretty good chance. Pretty good chance that they're doing that for a reason, again, to avoid accountability. Why? Because they know they got it wrong. So in The Importance of Being Earnest, there's this quote. It's one of my favorite, you know, plays and little kind of, I guess this is a novella, novella play. Anyway, in The Importance of Being Earnest, Oscar Wilde says, the truth is rarely pure and never simple. It's rarely pure and it's never simple. And that is certainly the case here, okay? Accepting that your parents knew what happened to you, that's just one truth. That's just one truth, Is it pure truth? Yeah. In a way, and then in another way, no. (laughs) Is it simple? Absolutely not. It is a starting point. It's where the greatest portion of your healing begins. Okay? With truth. With accepting that, yes, this is a thing that happened. It did not happen well. It did not happen for the right reasons. It should not have happened. Someone is responsible for it happening. All of those things are complex. They are multi layered and they are painful to accept. But accepting that reality of your childhood, what it has cost you, who was a part of it, it's all integral to you finding your peace you're not condemning your parents. Okay. This is not, this is not punishment. This is not judgment. It just is, is, it just is. You're just accepting fact. The truth is the truth. And once you embrace it, then you can decide what is appropriate to do. Maybe you are going to cut ties with them. That's different. It's in a different compartment. Okay. But you have to start with that first step, that first truth. That it happened. This is what happened. This is who was a part of it. They knew they were a part of it. There was a conscious choice in the behavior, in the action, in the reality. At that point, you can you can let go. You give yourself permission to heal. So start that now. You know, accept yourself, accept all of it radically, wholly. Look at every role in the process and look at every part that everyone played and accept it. Then figure out who you want to be and how you want to move forward from there. Thank you so, so much for listening. I hope that you got something really great out of this episode. I hope it illuminated you a little bit, um, opened up your eyes, gave you permission to do something better for yourself. If you did love the episode, then you should consider leaving me a quick little five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. It really helps me so, so much, and it helps other people find these stories, um, you know, these little factoids and juicy goodies for themselves. So if you liked the episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Let them know what you liked and, and how you found it helpful. Um, if you take a screenshot of that and email it to me, admin at com, I'll send you a free ebook. Dead simple. Dead, dead simple. So um, head over to Apple Podcasts. And for everyone else, um, head over to Medium or you can find me on TikTok at Johnson. And get your healing on, you know, focus in, build yourself up, start piecing together a better life. For everyone else, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week with some goody, goody, goody goodness. And we've got some really great guests coming up later this season. So stay tuned. Come back next week. Hit the subscribe button, all that good stuff. And until next time, keep your heads up, keep moving forward and keep your eyes on the stars. Bye bye.